Welcome to Revival Recap. I'm Seth Dahl here with Pastor Renee Evans. Hello. We're glad to be here and talking about <laughs> Saturday night. Oh my goodness, what a good message. What a strong message. We've been chatting a little bit already about it. But um, yes, you had to come late today because you're getting your foundation inspected at your house. Yes, we're looking to purchase a new house and we have to get the foundation uh, looked at. So. And I've had a couple friends here in the city that have had to have their foundations. One friend just had to have $40,000 worth of yeah. restoration in there. Austin is notorious for bad like foundations in the soil. The soil. Yeah. But I, when you texted me that, I was already thinking about this, to talk about this in our podcast, because uh, your podcast was about how... 27% of American Christians don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. And it yeah. seems like, you know, you're getting the foundation checked. These people are having their foundations restored because the, the soil has pulled away mm-hmm. from the foundation. Yeah. House and it's starting to crumble. It's starting to warp. It's yeah. starting to come apart. And and in my mind, it's like, oh, that whole the whole sermon on Saturday night is Christians are now trying to pull away from the foundation that got us all. And you know what's interesting about, like if we're going to keep going down that prophetic rabbit trail, like the reason that the soil pulls away is because it dries up. And, you know, it's a clay-based soil here in Austin and the surrounding areas. And the reason there's so much foundation is when you have wet clay and wet soil, things swell and things grow. And then when you have dry, when there's a lot of heat, away. it shrinks up and pulls away. And so it usually has, because it's going up and down, up and down, that's why it has so many foundation issues. But the predominant one is the heat. And the drier the soil, the worse Obviously the foundation. Shrink mm-hmm. up, pull away. Yep. So, so yeah. a dry Christian pulls away from the Word of God. I think it's one of the first things that goes in a, in a believer's life when they're not hungry. Yeah, because it's because let's be honest, and I, I spoke about this too. It's 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 an intentionality. It's a choice to be intentional to get into the Word of God. Yeah. Like you've got kids, yeah. I got kids. I mean, I work full time. Yeah. I'm you know we're all busy. Totally, I have to get up at six just so that I can get up before my kids just to get in the Word, yeah. um, and that's not even my study time. That's just my daily nourishment. Um, and, it, yeah, it's the same. So it's so easy to let that go because it really does take intentionality to prioritize it. And it's never smart to let the foundation go. Yep. No, it's the most important. You can I mean, you're going to deal with it one way or another, right? Yeah. Whether it's now or in 20 years, yeah. it's going to start cracking. building, but if yes. the foundation is not there, yep. it doesn't matter how nice that building is yeah. or it's true. And even with this house that we're looking at, everyone talks about the potential. But it's like, well, you can't you can't bank on potential. <laughs> yes. You have to bank on structural integrity. Yeah. You know? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So if you haven't noticed We're going into the contracting business and <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> Give no, you some tips and tricks. I think we would, yes. In Australia, we use post and beams. I think they call it post and pier here. And I'm like, why do they not do that here? Just a side note for anyone who's interested. (laughs) But 
Saturday night, the whole message was about the Word of God, the mm-hmm. importance, the necessity. Um, you know, you had said pretty much right out the gate, like, I'm tempted to go and pull out all these verses to defend the Bible. And that's always an interesting one because it's like, oh, the people who don't believe the Bible is the Word of God anyway aren't going to believe when you pull out Scripture to defend totally. it. Totally. But you had this Charles Spurgeon quote um, that you said, you remember it? Exactly? I do. Okay. Yeah. I have it written down, but I figured you knew <laughs> The Bible is like a roaring lion. Who ever thought of defending a lion? You turn it loose and let it defend itself. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's true. I'm not going to get near a lion and pretend that I can help it in any way (laughs) and defend it, you know. No. Yeah. Why do you think Christians are, I mean, yeah, they're dried up. Do you think it's like the culture is, what is it about Christians right now that 27% are pulling away, um, not, not even embracing the word of God, saying it's not inspired, saying it's not infallible, saying it's not the word of God yeah. anymore. What, what do you think is causing it? I mean, I, I think there's so many things. I think there's disappointment um, that the promises of God haven't manifested in our lives. Um, I maybe think the Bible's not true. If I haven't seen it. If my circumstances don't line up to the Bible, then, you know, what is more real to me? Is the Bible more real or are my experiences more real? And oftentimes people, their experiences trump their uh, level of revelation, I think. I think I think the Bible says a lot of crazy stuff that we don't understand um, and we really want to be able to understand. And so in our need to understand, we argue away its validity. I think that's a big thing. I think... Um, I think especially in our circles, and I, I touched on this when we speak about like supernatural healing and all of this kind of stuff, you know, we are seeing stuff that's written in the Bible. And again, our experiences sometimes don't match up to those, um, to what we're reading. And the mystery that we have to embrace in those moments, really, it's like, well, are we going to embrace the mystery that we don't have it all together and we don't have the answers, but one day we will. And, you know, if there's any shortcoming, it's it's not on God's end, <laughs> you know? And so we, we kind of have to think that. And I, I touched on this as well, but, like, I think a really big one is, like, we see the Bible as a rule book, you know? We see it as this, like, strict way of life. And we imagine that we can't be accepting of all people. And I think people who endeavor to love other people well, um, there's some stuff in the Bible that is kind of some non-negotiables that is, it makes it hard for us to accept people who believe in different things. If, so it's at the end of the day, we think we can love people better and accept people better than we're, if we're on our own than if we're lining up with the word of God. Which, in a sense, comes down to, I can't love you unless I agree with you about it. Totally. So if I disagree with your lifestyle or if I disagree with the choice, I must not love you. So I need to change my theology, my my beliefs in order to agree with you or agree with everything that's going on because then I'll be loving, then I'll be accepting. But you nailed that really hard, too. It's like I, I have friends that I don't agree with their lifestyle. But I love them, and they know it, and they feel it. Yeah. And they come back to you when they need help. And I and I think that's like I genuinely love them, and I'm, 
I, I pray, yes, that they would live a life that, that I think is God's best for them, um, you know. But at the end of the day, I, lo- I really love them in the midst of where they're at. Like, yeah. I, and I think that that's the difference. We can try to love to convert or to change, or we can just love, yeah. you know. And, and that's hard for us to do, if, especially if we don't agree with their lifestyle. But at the end of the day, it's like the goodness of God leads man to repentance and it is the holy spirit's job to convict people of their sin not mine you know my job is to love them well but it's not also as a believer it's not my job to um water down my beliefs or the gospel that i'm reading in order to line up with with things that are just not in the bible so it's hard but i mean i i definitely think like you can 100% 100% believe that the word of God is true, that it is from God, that it is his word. You can base your life upon that and you can love people exceptionally well. All I just time. All at the same time. And one of the things that kind of infuriates me is people who say Christians are so narrow-minded. And I'm like, but are we? Because Because a lot of us, I think you'll find, you know, we can love each other in the midst of disagreement, but when we disagree with you on your stance, yeah. you just automatically shut us off as being a, putting us in a certain category. And I'm like, so who's the narrow-minded person now? Like, I mean, I think it's not a narrow-mindedness that we live by. It's a conviction. Yeah. But we can, we can love people so well in the midst yeah. of that conviction. Yeah. So. I love it. Um, one of my favorite things you said was from Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active uh-huh. sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing the soul and spirit. And you said, I think some people like the mixture of soul and spirit, and they don't want that, that sword to come in. Oh, yeah, because when you get corrected by the word of God, it's not comfortable. You know, it's it's like when you're in any relationship. But I even remember in a really practical sense, like, I was watching this show and I was so into it and it wasn't like crude. There was no like, there was nothing that went against my moral code, if you will. Um, But it just wasn't, it wasn't life-giving. It wasn't, you know, whatever. And so I remember the Lord told me, you need to stop watching that. And I'm like, no, I don't want to stop watching it. I'm really, I've dedicated three seasons to the, you know, but of course like, I wasn't super stoked that I had to, but at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I'm always going to choose obedience. And and I know that that's such a silly little example, but it's like, oh, that kind of sucked. I was really into that. I was really enjoying that show. But And so we don't want to, we want to make sure that our, our flesh, you know, I don't know, we, we have a high value for our flesh and our desires. And, and I think we don't want to give place for the Lord to, to, to bring that divide. And I think that's why sometimes somebody, we just don't want it. Yeah, I forget who it was. They said a long time ago, um, I'm nervous to read my Bible because then I'm accountable to what I know. And I'm like, oh, some people get, they won't open it because then they don't want to yeah. be held accountable. It's if like ignorance it, is bliss, ignorance, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's not bliss. It's just ignorant. <laughs> it's just, it's either ignorant or disobedience. I mean, let's take our pick. 
You said a Bill Johnson quote about this too. Oh my gosh, it's such this, a good quote. Yeah, you want to say it? You, you say remember it? it? Okay. Um, I'm trying to. Yes, I you do. Can be corrected in, in private. private by the sword or in public by the community, but either way, you'll be corrected. Yeah. Get the sword out. I would much prefer for God to correct me in private through the word and through relationship than I would. I mean, I I feel like any one of us can say that, you know, it's just, it's when you think you're exempt from that correction, but when you realize, oh, it's going to happen either way. I mean, um, we've kind of seen it lately. There's been a lot of public correction. Yeah, a lot of public stuff happening. It's like, oh, this has to be fixed. But now it's being fixed out in public for the whole world to see. Yeah. Because it was never fixed in private. Yeah. It was never adjusted or corrected in private. And now it's really bad. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's a wake-up call for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) It's so wild. And there was one thing we were talking before we actually started the recording, but we were, there was something from the message that you didn't actually get to. So we yes. gonna, you did not get this in the sermon if you were there Saturday night. If you watch <laughs> it on YouTube or Facebook, you did not get this in the sermon. Renee is about to share some stuff that she wanted to get to but <laughs> couldn't. So what is that? What is well, that? I love illustrations and I love props. Um, you know, I love the life of Amy Semple McPherson. If you know who she is, she was a revivalist um, back in the early 1900s. And she used theater and props um, to, to do her sermons. And I just love it because some of the sermons that I've listened to, I've, I've gotten such a visual and deeper understanding of when they've used, you know, this element of props and stuff. And so I was like, what can I use? What can I bring into this message to kind of illustrate my point? And I didn't actually get to it, but I went around my house and I gathered all my Bibles, and not Joaquin's Bibles, just my Bibles, and I had seven seven Bibles, and so I wanted to bring them and just stack them next to the pulpit, and just to show people, like, the average believer has multiple Bibles yeah. in their house, multiple, and, you know, we, I think, sometimes take for granted the absolute privilege it is that we have access to the word of God in the way that we have access to it. And um, sometimes when you have too much of a good thing, you don't realize until it's gone. And um, again, I was actually listening to a Bill Johnson sermon, but it was derived from this um, story of the underground church in China. And obviously in a lot of places in China, it's actually illegal to have a Bible. And so Bibles have to be smuggled in by missionaries. Um, And there was this one box of Bibles that got um, bought in and as they were opening the box, like just families and entire people, you know, groups of people were just like weeping at the sight of a Bible. And there, there wasn't enough Bibles to go around. And what often happens in the underground church in China is they rip pages out of the Bible and one family will take a page for like a week and they'll study it and they'll memorize it and then they'll swap it between other families and so that they can kind of ingest and memorize as much as the word of God as possible. You know, and we sometimes like have seven or eight, like I did seven or eight Bibles just sitting in our house. Like I, yeah, I probably I only use two of them for my study, you know, and the rest are just there kind of collecting dust. And I'm like, man, we have an abundance of a good thing and we don't even realize it. And the Bill Johnson quote from that was he said that um, – Famine always follows misused abundance. 
And I'm like, wow, that, that'll preach. <laughs> but I'm like, we have this abundance, and unless we do a good job using it, famine will follow you know and I mean you don't have to be a genius to try to figure out what's happening taking prayer out of schools taking bibles out of schools taking bibles out of like hospitals hotels they're starting to remove it all yeah and the cancellation of so many things that have controversial topics in them or could have controversial like Dr. Seuss I mean the bible (laughs) has more controversial controversy then probably all of them books all combined together. yeah it's all in there i actually saw somebody came out and said recently said jesus was a racist when and i i knew it was coming but i i feel like i think what what <laughs> like what we need to realize is like okay you have seven do they realize jesus wasn't white yeah i know he wasn't white i mean that and could be shocking to some people <laughs> Well, you're talking about having seven Bibles, like real Bibles. There's, there's, the reason why the Bible is so precious to those people in China, where they literally rip pages, hide them, mm-hmm. keep them in their pocket, memorize that page, is because they don't even have it here. No, they can't access it on here. Yeah, and a lot of the American church has moved away from even the real Bible to just reading it on here, and all it takes. If things go different directions, all it takes is a delete button to remove the entire app, to remove the access, yeah. to remove all of it. And so I think I think we better we need to be aware. Like yeah. your actual Bible with paper and leather or cardboard is actually a very priceless commodity. And actually, the way that you digest information through reading it actually has a greater chance of sticking and yeah. for you memorizing that than if you hear it or if it's spoken to you. Yeah. And so, I hey, and don't get me wrong, I love the Bible on audio. I have the Passion Translation and Dr. Brian Simmons' voice. It's just so calming and so smooth and I'm like, oh, I could just fall asleep to listening to him read the Bible. I love, I love the Bible on audio. I read a lot of my books um, on audio but I will say this I if I really want to ingest a book I actually listen to it while I'm physically reading a hard copy and it's just I'm getting it in two different ways and I'm able to highlight it and and so I love audio in one translation yeah in another so I can hear Hear the differences I can see the that's a good idea in in action not like you know you have the bible with like um, amplified and King James, yeah. so you can see, compare the differences yes. right there. But I will listen in like NIV and read in New King James, so I can go, oh, that works. I see how they translate. Yeah. Oh, I see what that thought is that they're communicating here. So yes. I do that sometimes. You I do love that. Pay quite a, a lot of attention. Attention, but yeah. No, that's a great idea. There is something about reading your physical Bible, yeah, though, that the page. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little old school, but I, I feel like we're having in Christianity at the moment, in some areas of Christianity, I, I, real, I actually feel like there's two streams that we're taking. There's this one like whole progressive Christianity where it's yeah. kind of like almost a little bit like an anything goes attitude as long as you love well, yeah. you know, whatever, we'll accept whatever. And, 
And, you know, I know I do realize, so for people who want to write in and correct me, I do realize that there is more to the progressive church and their belief system than that, obviously. Um, But I do think there's this whole relevant hip, like let's go down this stream. But I actually, and what I'm super excited about is I feel like there's this whole other group of Christians who are actually turning back to some of the fundamental foundational Christian disciplines and principles that our faith was built upon um and i think it's beautiful i think there's i think it's creating a very visible divide within the church but i think it's needed and i think not the divide just this returning back to the old and here's what i think as well sometimes right i'm like sometimes we think we're so much smarter than our forefathers because we have google right and because we have cars (laughs) and because we have Right. They were were foolish or they weren't intelligent. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, they run circles around us. And if we think our Google... They have everything in their heads. We have nothing in our heads. I know. And plus the information we do have access to, who can ever say if that is true or not, you know? And so, I don't know. I'm looking back on, like, Madame Guyon and Francis of Assisi and all of these, like, incredible, like, almost mystical, but these incredible, like, uh, mothers and fathers of the faith that go back centuries that brother lawrence of just like practicing the presence and coming back to this simple way of christianity like hey we believe the bible we live the bible we believe in prayer we live through prayer like just the foundational things and and i touched on it at the end and i will say a cautionary word just quickly because i don't feel like i covered this in my word um, i made a reference to contemplative prayer at the end and there's this book by madame guyon who talks about the union with with christ um, and it's you know a fabulous book um, and you can do these contemplative prayer through these people when i actually went back and looked up more about contemplative prayer um, I found that there was a lot of weird stuff out there. So there's a lot of like new age stuff. There's a lot of, and so I say that in the sense that I'm not endorsing that side of contemplative prayer at all, which I think hopefully everyone understands. But you were saying, and what we talked about in the last podcast, no, I've dealt with this over and over and over. You talked about, we were talking about Psalm 91, encountering God. And you Mm -hmm. said, I like to take the, the Bible and imagine myself being wrapped in. Remember this? Yeah. We're in this room right here. Yeah. And being being hidden under the shadow of his wings and feeling his wings come around. Yeah. And his wings. Like, okay, so the difference is we're supposed to meditate on the word. Yes. The law, day and night, right? So there's a lot of contemplative prayer. There's a lot of silence. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, but it's it's emptying the mind. Yes. Where biblically we're to fill the mind. So With, yeah. I'm going to take a scripture and contemplate mm-hmm. it, but I'm filling my mind with it. I'm not emptying myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm quiet. I'm not empty. Yes. I'm full. 100%. And that's a huge differentiation. Like, yeah, you yeah. read a lot of the stuff on contemplative prayer, on meditation. Like, the church has reacted and got so afraid of meditation. Yeah. Like, God's the one that came up with it. God's the one that emphasized totally. it. Totally. God's the one that said, meditation on my word is the secret to taking your promise land. Because mm-hmm. without meditation, you're not going to have the strength and the courage to go face the giants you have to face. Yeah. And it comes back to Joshua. Are you going to meditate on my word day and night? Like, no. Are you going to fill your mind with what I said? Not empty. 
empty, not not open to whatever. No, you're only open to one thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just, it's, you think it's common sense, but it's not always common sense. But it is, it's just wisdom, right? You know, we got to, you got to always judge things according to the Bible. And so with all of that stuff, we look back to the Bible time and time again to make sure it lines up with the word of God. And yeah. yeah. I, um, this verse when we were talking about simplicity and this whole movement returning back to simplicity. Yeah. Second Corinthians eleven three says, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, so your minds may be somehow led astray from the simplicity that's in Christ. In other words, when we move away from simplicity, deception is readily yeah. available. Yes. Simplicity matters. It, it really does. We do such a great job at complicating things. I say that and like know that I am saying that about myself sometimes, you know, making yeah, complicated situations more complicated than they need to be but the gospel is the gospel it's not the gospel and you know and it's not like okay we got smarter because we got google so let's put an addendum onto the bible no like it's just not you know it's not the way it works and it is that just stripping away all of these things that we have added to christianity um and just getting back to that simple you know if i can recommend a book um to anyone and again, some of it, I, I always hesitate recommending books to people um, because they're like, well, we don't believe in this theology or this theology. And I'm like, okay, you can, you can get the premise and you can also get the meat and spit out the bones. Um, we were taught that at ministry school, which I so appreciated. You know, we well, would have teachers come in. You're not going to agree 100% with anyone. Right. Period. You right. agree 100% with Joaquin? No. Yes. No, no. On every single thing, I no. don't know with Lauren. Like, I'm joking. I'm so joking. The reality yeah. is, no matter what book you pick up, there's going to be something. Yeah. That you're like, uh, I'm not really sure, but that's the part of where you go. Oh, I'm gonna spit that out. Yeah, there's yeah. wisdom in this part. Yeah. This part, I'm not so sure. Anyway, it's called the Spiritual Disciplines by Richard Foster, and I just think it is one of the greatest Christian. Celebration of Discipline. Yes. He hasn't. Yep. Sorry. He's got a um, a study it. guide to it. Very and good book. anyway. Such a great book. If I could encourage people to read any book have right you, now, it would be that. Yeah. Have you read um, The Spirit of the Disciplines by um, Dallas Willard? No. You would love it. Would I? It is, it's <gasps> along the same lines. Yeah. But he's really good, too. Like, I think Celebration of Disciplines does mm-hmm. a good job of, like, he talks about the tightrope. Like, if you just go into full-on discipline, you can lose the relationship. Totally. So he really nails that. Yes. That's what a lot of christians are nervous about especially spirit-led spirit-filled they don't want to fall back into religion right but dallas willard at the same time was like this isn't just about the discipline it's about the spirit of the yes and both those books are some of the best you can ever find on like silence prayer study study yeah meditation Mm -hmm. serving Yep. Like these are disciplines people had in their lives that made us who we are. Yes. And I said it on Saturday night, but the most fruitful Christians I know believe the Bible. Yeah. Believe that the Bible is the word of God and live their life according as best they can to the word of God. Yeah. And they are the most fruitful Christians. I know. And I see a lot of non-fruitful Christians out there and they talk a big game. Yeah. But the fruit of their life 
it's just not there. Like one other thing I think I want to bring up before we wrap up. I feel like it's controversial. I'm watching his like thing. So you were talking about (laughs) the two spheres. One's moving more simple. One's moving very a different direction. He he said something. Dan Fairley from Bethel is one of the most amazing teachers. Oh, he's incredible. Smartest man. So smart. Yes. He said. He said, "God is love." So we read the Bible. We see God. Yeah. That's love. What the world has done is said love is God. Mm. So if I love you, it has to do with all the agreement, all the stuff. Yes, that is so good. People like they've interpreted that to be if I love, that's God. God. Not wow. God defines love. Yeah. Love defines God. (gasps) When he said that, I was like, are you? That is it right there. I mean, I could have just said that quote and walked off the stage. Yeah. (laughs) That's the point. Yeah, and for us to think that our love is greater than his is so insulting. To us to be able to say, oh, God, we're loving this person better than you are because we're accepting them in their sin. How insulting to the very God that created us. Like, what a slap in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I love that. I thought it was one of the best things. He's told me a lot of really good stuff. That That is, that's going to be like. He summed up society in this problem we're having right now, this challenge, this thing. We're talking about he summed it up in one thing. I was like, wow. Hey, let's do something fun before we end. Yeah. Let's just, because I know we geek out on books. What are you reading right right now? What am I reading right now? Yeah. Okay, this is. He's going to come up with a whole list. (laughs) I'm trying to read 40 read books now, this year, yeah, and it's quite... I actually just read... Yeah. Um, is it Union with God? I just read one of her books. I just finished that. Yeah. And now I'm reading this one. I have it on here because I like to read at night, laying in bed. and so. I have a lot on my phone as well. I'm reading Unlocking Destinies from the Courts of Heaven. Ooh. Who wrote that? Robert Henderson. He's got a whole wow. bunch of books on the courts of heaven, on like where God makes decisions for countries, for people, the books wow. about people and the destinies, you know. Yeah. Before you had any days, I writ- wrote them all down in the books about me. He, so he's like, I'm just talking about like everybody has destinies and how to unlock them and how to pray wow. for them and stuff like that. So I want to read that. That is it's awesome. Really good. I'm just about to start. I have two books I'm reading. Um, one is Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson. Have you heard of that one? And Ozzy uh, living in New York City, pastoring there. I just got given it, um, actually, from my brother and sister-in-law for my birthday. And then The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I'm just, I'm really excited about those. I just am like, I just want the old the old guys. I know that we've got stuff to say in this generation, but I'm like, eh. I just don't know if any of it's as good as what they ever said. So, I don't know, yeah. going back. There's a guy I've read a lot, Adam Clarkey. He was a oh. Bible commentator, I think, in the 1400s. So, George and Banoff has studied him a lot. Okay. And so, if George and Banoff studied someone, because he's like yeah. very smart theologian. Like, you would not him, think that about him, but he is. He so is she, Winnie Banoff, her, yeah, her wife. Uh, incredible theologian. His wife, <laughs> yeah. So he said, Seth, if you want to read a good, one of those old dudes that really yeah. understood the gospel, it's Adam Clarke, C-L-A-R-K-E. You can just wow. read it online. He has letters to preachers. 
Wow. Mess you up. It's like <gasps> 10 things preachers mean. Something. He's like wrote a letter to young preachers, and it's so powerful. But he's the guy that originally said, if you're waiting to die to be set free from sin, you just crowned death as your savior, not Jesus. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, there's some reading recommendations for you guys that should um, give you a little bit of reading for the next yep. while. And I thought, I've been thinking about this too. I think I want to change how we do this podcast a little bit. And I want to end <laughs> with like a one minute mm-hmm. charge. I know we've talked a lot about a lot of, uh, about a lot of stuff. Like read your Bible, study your Bible. Yeah. The Bible is important. The Bible matters. But if you had one minute to just look at the camera and say, here's mm. what I want you to walk away with. This is yeah. the one thing I want you to get in one minute. Wrap it all up and let us have it. <sighs> On the spot. On the spot. Okay. Well, I would say this. I would I it was my hope and desire for this message to create hunger in people for the word of God and to realize how privileged we are to have access to the word of God and to know God in a way that we cannot know him without the Bible. And so it would be my desire for people to just get reignited on fire for the gospel, the written word of God as well, and just dive into it and study it and pick it apart. And can I just encourage you, even if you change this one small thing about your Bible reading, if you are a faithful Bible reader and you read every day, like on through a plan maybe like I do, and then maybe study at another time or whatever your Bible reading looks like, can I just ask you to take a few minutes before you open your Bible to pray and just ask for the Holy Spirit to speak to you through its pages. Um, I My Bible reading completely changed when I did that small step. I know it sounds so simple, and I know maybe I was late to the game, but I would just read my Bible because I was told to read my Bible. But until I really grasped this concept of inviting the Holy Spirit to read the Word of God with me, Uh, The Bible, it kind of was just words until it became like God-breathed and revelation um, and and so much more nourishing to my spirit. And so, and then one other thing, this can be maybe kind of a challenge for you. If what I, I mentioned this, I said that, you know, when I first started reading the Bible, I just read the Bible and it wasn't until I actually had to start teaching the Bible that I was really like, whoa, I got to study this, you know, book. Um, But can I... Can I just challenge you that when you pick up your Bible next, uh, pick, you know, whichever book, whichever verse, whichever chapter that you want. But I just want to challenge you to create a sermon out of what you read. You will look at the text different. You will you will look at it through the eyes of how does this become relevant to my life and the lives of those around me. And just begin to pull it apart as though you have to teach a message out of that portion of scripture. And I think it's just a fun exercise, whether you're a pastor and a communicator or not. Um, It's just going to open up the Bible so much more when you have to learn how to retell and how to teach the Bible um, out of your reading times and times of the Lord. So I just want to encourage you with that challenge. It's really fun. And I think you'll get so much more out of it uh, when you do that. I don't know if that's a charge more than it is a challenge, but (laughs) read your Bible. Like, honestly, in these days when everything around us is shaking, like that is going to be the thing that never shakes. It hasn't. I mean, people and culture shake and they all have different looks and views towards the Bible. But the Bible remains the same and it is it has lasted the test of time. You know, so I just I encourage you to just pick up your Bible and just 
find a renewed love for it because it's going to save you in, you know, times of trouble. It's going to give you answers and it's going to be peace for you in moments of discomfort. And, you know, Holy Spirit is going to talk through your Bible to you. And I'm excited to hear about it. I will say this. Sorry, last thing. Um, I actually had two ladies tell me after I spoke a couple of days later that they struggled with insomnia. And they actually tried to do the practice that I led at the end of the service, which was to lead through people through, like, in a sense, a guided contemplative prayer surrounding scripture. And they did that as they were falling asleep. And both of them slept like babies, had the best nights of their life, like sleep of their life. So I just want to release that and just say, if you're struggling with insomnia or anything to do with um, just not getting enough sleep, not getting deep enough restful sleep, then I just encourage you to fall asleep to the word of God, meditating on the word of God. And I'm just believing that those testimonies will just happen again and that you're going to get a great night's sleep. We all need more sleep. Amen. That's amazing. Come on. Going to sleep. Yes. About the Word of God. Oh, come on. And sleeping good. Yes. That's, that's what we need. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Renee, for that charge, <laughs> challenge. Thanks. Um, yeah, that was good. And as always, you can join us at BethelATX.com or Facebook, yes. Instagram, YouTube. All of our content is on there. You can follow along with us yes. and join us on Saturday yeah love you guys love you. See you soon.